Okay, so, so let's stop. Five, four, three, two, one. Shaolin shadow boxing and the Wu Tang swordsman. If what you say is true, the Shaolin and the Wu Tang could be dangerous. Do you think your Wu Tang sword can defeat me? On guard, I'll let you try my Wu Tang style. Bring the motherfucking ruckus! Bring the motherfucking ruckus! Bring the mother, bring the motherfucking ruckus! Bring the motherfucking ruckus! Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Parenting Unknown Podcast. And if you haven't guessed, this episode is a music one. And for this one, I'm going to be talking about the Wu-Tang Clans, Bring the Ruckus. I've actually been a little bit excited to talk about this one just because it's one of those songs that kind of impacted me early, early in life that just kind of blew my mind open to this world of hip-hop. And a little backstory, Wu-Tang was formed in 1992 in Staten Island, New York. The original members are, it's a list, the RZA, the Jizza, Old Dirty Bastard, Inspect the Deck, Master Killer, You God, Ghostface Killer, Raekwon, and Method Man. And they released their first album, Enter the 36 Chambers, in 1993. And I must have heard this song maybe about two, three years later. And I was just a little kid. I might have been around seven or eight safe to say and i happened to come by them just by chance at that time i like i said before i've listened to music but it wasn't really like something that i was into where i had to go buy a specific album or specific artist it was just before the mtv day before the the trl days it was just if i hear it i hear it if not i mean i'm not gonna lose any sleep but i gone over before how i used to my father used to pick me up and he would leave me at my grandma's house, book it, go drink with his friends and just leave me totally in my thumbs watching TV pretty much. So I started going, I had two aunts that lived around there. One aunt lived in the back house and my other aunt, which unfortunately she's not with us no more. She lived in the house next to them. And I'm sitting down one day watching TV, a normal pickup day. I'm just, I got dropped off and I'll see you around five, six o'clock. You know what I mean? From like 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock in the morning. My Maricela comes in and she's all, what are you doing here? I just looked at her like, well, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just here. Like my, my dad dropped me off. And she looked at me. She's like, where's, where's grandma at? I said, I don't know. <laughs> so she's like, come over here. So she took me to her house and I had two other cousins and we would play games. And they had like a Super Nintendo, which was the thing back then, which if you didn't have a Super Nintendo, it was, I don't know, it was kind of boring. <laughs> she had a Super Nintendo. We used to play. She would, you know, make me lunch talk to me and pretty much watch me. You know what I mean? So one day my, her oldest daughter, I'm not going to name her, but her oldest daughter, she came in, she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, just, just here playing games. She's like, I'm going to listen to music. You want to come listen to something? I said, sure. And she pretty much left me there in her room. And then I think she took off. So I'm pretty sure she just ditched me. <laughs> but there was, I still remember this. It was, it's so weird. It was four CDs. One was the chronic from Dr. J. One was 36 chambers from Wu-Tang Clan. I forget their, the album's names off the top of my head, but it was Mace's album. I forgot which album it was. And Little Kim's. And the only reason why I mentioned Dr. Dre and 
on Wu-Tang. If you're not really a big hip-hop fan or you're just kind of casual, these two albums had two very distinct sounds. And now that I know, they made a cultural impact. Hearing these two from what I would usually hear, like from the radio, like from like other aunts and like uncles and shit like that. Very, very, very different. I listened to Chronic. I did not know half of the things they were saying. Just keep in mind, I was just a little kid still. But all I knew was I liked it. I liked the beat. And then I put the Wu-Tang one on. And it kind of just struck me. Like, you ever seen those movies where you have an eye-opening moment and they, they kind of zoom in into your eye and like you see the, the universe expand? That's what it was. The album just sounded raw, gritty. It had all these guys rapping over the beats that at the time it was just too hard to, to keep up with. It was one guy had a verse, another guy had a verse, in, out, in, out. It, it was just nonstop. But I knew I liked I knew it was something that was different than what I've heard before. I knew it was something that was going to pretty much stick with me and open my eyes to this bigger world of, you know, hip hop. And it's hard having this album, like as your, your first intro, just because it's so good. Every, everything else is hard to compare to. I mean, I, I love different artists. I have my different favorite bands, <laughs> different favorite groups. Each and one of their albums is pretty good, but just nothing compares to this first album, 36 Chambers. So this album came out in 1993. That time I was probably like two, three years old. So yeah, a couple years later, it must have been five, six, just throw seven in there just for good let's sake. <laughs> and the intro that I play right now, the very first song of the album, and it's called Bring the Ruckus. And what I liked about Wu-Tang is I used to watch a lot of martial arts movies with, you know, my cousin Ruben, who's, you know, who passed away. We used to watch Beverly Hills Cop together. I used to watch these with my aunts, go over to their house. My Uncle Frank was watching like Jackie Chan, Rumble in the Bronx, or they had Drunken Masters, some kind of martial arts movie. They, how, can you, how can you pass that up, honestly? And the intro for this is from a movie called The Shaolin and the Wu-Tang. And after you hear the intro, you hear the RZA saying, bring the motherfucking ruckus. The song has four of the members. It starts off with Ghostface, Raekwon, Spec Deck, and Jizza. And it's just one of those things that you hear it and it's right away an instant classic. It just compared the way I looked at hip hop, you know, from here on out, it was really hard to compare because I had back then, I didn't know what the East Coast, West Coast was. Little did I know, I listened to one of the biggest West Coast albums at that time and probably the biggest East Coast album thus far, you know, excluding like, I guess you could say Biggie is Ready to Die album was pretty good. But just personally, me, I felt that Wu-Tang just had a bigger impact on me just because my life, I didn't grow up. I wasn't involved or into the whole Tupac Biggie thing at that time because, well, I was a kid. I didn't know nothing about it. So Wu-Tang was it for me. And after listening to this first album, I would hear a lot of different West Coast rap. And West Coast at that time had a lot of that G-Funk sound. So if you heard like nothing but a G-Thing, a lot of Snoop, Dre, you got like Corrupt, you know, all them, it has a distinct sound. What I was hearing from them compared to what I was hearing from Wu-Tang, it felt like West Coast was just entering middle school in terms of their finding their identity and sound and where they were going to go. And Wu-Tang just seemed like they were already the masters. The album was pretty lo-fi, gritty, really grounded in life. And thinking back now as an adult, I was doing more research for this, this episode. 1993, the top hip-hop albums. And saying this list is pretty damn crazy. And for Wu-Tang to kind of make their mark during this time, it's, it's impressive. 
I'm just going to start reading off some of the albums. So first off, you got Wu-Tang Enter, 36 Chambers. Then you have Tribe Called Quest, Midnight Martyrs, Cypress Hill, Black Sunday. Then you got Diggable Planets. You got Onyx. Tupac dropped an album, KRS-One, De La Soul, Lords of the Underground, Naughty by Nature, New Dog released Doggy Style, Too Short, Get It Where You Fit In, which is another instant classic album. Then you got Ghetto Boys, um, Brand Nubian, 8-Ball, MJG, if you, you know, if you like more of the Southern rap. The Roots, one of my favorites too. Ice Cube, Run DMC dropped an album. I mean, the list just goes on and on. Even Easy e dropped his, his diss album on Dr. Eighth. A quick little backstory, they were kind of, well, if you've seen Strata Compton, which pretty sure at this time, most of everybody has, this is the album that was, they came out during the beef. So you could say like the chronic was first one to start it off, you know, whatever they're fighting about. And then easy answer back with this album. <laughs> you have Bloods and Crips, which is another West Coast group that, I mean, it, you look at the cover and it's Bloods and Crips, good sounding album. You know, the list is just crazy. So for me to look back and see what time what came out in 1993 it kind of defined of it kind of defined hip-hop where it was at that point and for me to say the majority of that impact sounding hip-hop was from the east coast i mean i i I stand by it because if you don't know hip-hop came from the east coast it was started it blew up from there so i'm a little bit more partial when it comes to east coast rap just because when you compare the two the two sides and it's really unfair because Southern rap has its own different sound and everything like that. But just me personally, I'm more into the East Coast, West Coast uh, sounds. And the East Coast just, it had, they had it for me. Majority of everything that was coming out. I'm a huge fan of Tribe Called Quest, Lords of the Underground, KRS-One, De La Soul. So, I mean, but then you got Cypress Hill on the West Coast. Cypress Hill is doing their own thing. And it's just something that I really love. So let's listen to a couple of verses from the song. Just to kind of like get where I'm coming from, if you know what I mean. Don't face, catch the blast of a hype burst. My clock burst, leaving a hearse. I did worse. I come rough, jump like an elephant tusk. Your head rush, fly like Egyptian musk. Oh shit, you take class, fuck the wixen. However, I'm asking a trick just like Nixon. Cause and terror, quick damage your whole era. Hard rocks is like the fuck up a fam stop. Yellow style, hazardous, cause I wreck this dangerous. gets me every single time I listen to it. No matter what I'm doing, if that song comes on, it's one of those things you just listen to from beginning to end, you know it word by word. And out of those four albums that I was listening to when I was a kid at that time, this one stuck out because if you ever look at the cover, it was dark looking album cover. It had upper right hand corner and this 
weird kind of font that just said enter the Wu-Tang. Bottom right, they had their, their logo in yellow. Directly center of this album is nine people dressed in black, head to toe, wearing jumpsuits, had the logo on the had the logo on, you know, the left hand side. And they were all wearing what it looked like to be like kind of fencing mask, but it really looks just like a you know, a mask covering your face, kind of like those bodysuits. Like the all like the all green guy from Always Sunny Philadelphia, Charlie. Like that, but white. So it's it stuck out. On Dre's album, you had him and the emblem at the chronic wearing his, his cap. Little Kim's you had her doing some kind of pose, mace, the same thing. And this one was just, it was different. And if that was a concept, I mean, they hit the nail on the head in this because take out the font, you know what this is already. Um, so I'll go back. I heard this and I, I loved it. So every time my father picked me up, I would look forward to it. I would go back, go to my aunt's. I, would, I mean, I, at that at this point, I would just go knock on the door and just show up and be like, hi, I'm here. Go to my cousin, like, can I listen to, can I listen to your CDs? She's like, I'm going to leave like in, you know, a couple minutes, but yeah, go ahead. I mean, I was a kid and you know, what was a kid going to do? So I would go in there, listen to it over and over again, put on the chronic, listen to that. And until the point where I finally got money enough to get a cassette and <laughs> thankfully her radio this player, I don't know how you want to call it. This sounds really old right now. Um, and a function where you can record from the CD onto a cassette. So that's exactly what I did because I didn't have a CD player back then. And going to see my mom, I just had a Walkman, which was a cassette player. That's what you call the prehistoric, like MP3s, iPods. So, I mean, that's what I had. I already had, hmm. I had a few, I already had a few cassettes in my collection. Later on, it was like, you know, Blink, Green Day, Limp Bizkit, Beastie Boys. And obviously, Trip Up to Chowchilla is about, it was like six hours for us, six and a half maybe. You know, restroom breaks, truck stops, gates of the new all that included. Um, if you don't know where Chowchilla is at, it's kind of past Fresno. So a little further down the road, and it doesn't seem too far now when I think about it, but I mean, back then as a kid, it was, it was just the longest going and coming. I've heard all these, I heard all these cassettes that I had at least one time over. So I finally recorded the album on my cassette, took it back home and kind of hid it from my uncle. Grandma would have been cool, but I just hid it from my uncle because I know what a drama queen he was and any little thing that I had, you know, cussing, he would throw a fit. Rightfully so, because I look at my niece now. One's twelve. One's hmm, forgot how the how the other one is. You know, the twelve year old just had a birthday a couple of days ago, and the other one I think she's gonna be like nine or ten or something like that. But to just think that those ages—I mean, they're kind of pretty innocent kids. You know what I mean? So, but just hearing at those ages, I was listening to this album that was talking about Wu Tang Clan ain't nothing to fuck with. Bring the motherfucking ruckus, sticky pants in your head, like you know. It's kind of wild, like, like, all right, I get why my uncle would have been pissed, because it would have been, like, a little head-scratching for me, parent at that time, too. Like, you know, what the hell are you listening to? But, like I said before, I listened to this with my grandma, got her head nodding. She, she could appreciate, she could look past, because whenever anybody listens to any of this type of music, it's always directed at the vulgar language, so, you know, the shits, the ass, the fucks. Let's always look at that. So, the art form gets rushed over and you just like you know what turn that off you really got to sit down 
soak it all in and appreciate and to try to understand where the artist is coming from. It's, yeah, it's easy to hear, you know, fuck this, fuck that, and this, you know. But you look at the context of the rest of what they're saying, and all these are stories. All these are art reflecting life and vice versa. And that's what I felt like my grandma kind of did with this. And, you know, like I said, I was kind of nervous, like she's going to say turn it off. But, you know, she looked past it. And, I mean, she had a bad mouth herself. I mean, that's where I kind of get it from, too, at times. She looked past it and shared the music for the music. I mean, it's real easy to judge music on what it is. I mean, it's not like, it wasn't like Two Life Crew when they're saying, you know, pop that pussy or anything like that. It wasn't that music. Okay, I could get why you'd be like, you know, turn that off, especially especially around little kids. I get it. Like, normal hip-hop album. Oh, they're not talking about, you know, ain't no fun of the homies can have none. Something like that. I'll, I'll be like, all right, change the kids. Different music. It's really an art form. It's really something you got to appreciate. And to be honest, I kind of do this with my kids too. There are no strangers to hip hop. One of their favorite, especially Max, one of his favorite artists is Kendrick Lamar. You don't know who Kendrick Lamar is? Go to Spotify, iTunes, go look at him. Go check him out. Easy to say like, you know, he says fuck, he says this, he says that. Easy to say that, but you get the context of where the guy's coming from, what he's trying to show, what he's trying to reflect in his art. You could appreciate it. And my kids know what bad words are already. Because trust me, if we say anything, even ass, they correct us right away. And they say, you know, don't say that. And we just look like, what the? Yes. But, you know, it, it's funny, right? They already know what the bad words are. They know what not to say. So when it comes to listening to this music, they don't really repeat this in, in life. If they sing along, the word gets slipped in now and then, but they know it's bad. They know it's not to say, and they know when it comes to listening to music, there's a certain separation. It's an art form that we appreciate and they love it. I love it. I mean, I'm not going to hide anything from them. You know, I'm not going to listen to Too Short with them. I'm not going to listen to Two Life Crew. something that, you know, I'm not going to listen to David Banner play. You know, that's an old song. Again, if you don't know what that is, look it up. It's something that I want to share with my kids when it comes to music. I'm on my show for it. I mean, because let's face it, me and her, our mouths aren't the, the cleanest at times. So words get slipped up here and there, and we know that. And you just got to roll with the punches. And when it comes to music, I kind of want to do that with them. I kind of want to share my love for hip hop and rap with them. So they just, it, open up, it opens up worlds. It opens up new ways of thinking. and. If I could show them an artist from, you know, any genre, not just hip hop that I'm talking about now, any genre, if I could just show them any artist that kind of had that eye opening moment that I had, I mean, I'm all for it. Same thing with my wife. She has music that she shows the kids and it changes them or it opens up this world to them. I'm all for it. Anybody for that matter, whether it's their aunts, uncles, godparents. When it comes to music, when it comes to art, me and my wife, you know, we uphold those. I mean, because that's. Those are something that we're, we're into. So. so I get this cassette, listen to it over and over and over again. It just, it just becomes a part of me. And when it came to Jim dropping, you know, the double album, even more exciting because now I could go to my grandma and say, can you buy me this CD? And one of the telltale signs for parents not to buy kids CDs back then was a little parental adversary, uh, little sign, you know, a little black and white one. She would say, not right now. Because my uncle is right there. Wait next week. Take a walk. And there was this record store down Chavez. I mean, down Brooklyn where we used to live by. It was probably like a good 
15 minute walk, 15, 20 minute walk. We're strolling, looking at stores and all that. And it was a, a Spanish store, but they had an English section and whatever was popular, whatever was big, they had it. So that's where I got like my AFI CDs, Manson, Eminem, Wu-Tang. So when it came time to the Wu-Tang's having their second album out, I asked her, she said, you know, when we take a walk, cause I was pushing the stroller sometimes we would walk a stroller. Wow. I would push her. So I got used to just saying stroller with my kids and push, but I would push her in the wheelchair, go for a walk, go to the store and she'd buy it for me. And my uncle came in and like, where did, get, where did you get that from? All my grandma would say is shut up, asshole. Leave my grandson alone. And he knew. My grandma had that bar talk. So she was very, very blunt and very uh, straightforward. And, you know, it just continued my cycle for the love of hip hop, music, things that I got into. And I can really say, you know, this album was my opening. And now, I mean, I love, I love hip hop with, without a doubt. It's another love that I have in life. Although some of the new stuff, it's really, it really sucks. <laughs> but there's some good new artists that I like and the rest of them like Playboy Cardi. I, I just, I don't get it. I, I just don't. It just, it just sounds boring. It sucks. There's, there's no like creative writing behind. There's no, there's no depth. I mean, it's really hard. I'm always looking for new artists, looking for different music genres to get into, listen to, pick up. And especially in the hip hop, this, this was my moment. This was the moment they kicked it off. They kicked out a new spark. And I mean, I can't wait to share more of it with my kids. So thanks again for listening for another week. And if you're still with me, Let's finish the song. I whip it, hardcore like porno flip bitches. I roll with groups of ghetto bastards with biscuits. Check it, my method on the microphone's banging. Wu-Tang slang, I leave your headpiece hanging. Plus this, I'm kicking like cigar out with justice. The walk miss, just no do this. Ruckus, rap bro, I'm verbally assault with the two. Murder one, my style shocks you not like a stun gun. I'm hectic, I'm wrecking with the quickness. Standing on the microphone, the competition get blown. So bring it on, so bring it on, so bring it on, so bring it on.